You're listening to the Casual Mancatter on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. So today's the day. The Ashes finally starts after what seems like an eternity. And hopefully this morning we'll be getting away in Brisbane without too much rain and certainly not without enough rain to avoid the test coming to a result. And hopefully the correct result, or at least the one that all Australians are after. Both teams have named their 12, and as I record this, obviously I don't know who the 12th men will be, but I think we can take a pretty fair guess at it. So we're going to look at the teams as we have done over the last few weeks, see where the strengths and weaknesses of both are, and where the game may well be played out. And if everything goes according to plan, it will be exactly the opposite as to what I think. However, it'll give me 15 minutes or so to bore you to death with more cricket talk, as you have once again tuned in to the casual mancatter right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. So here we are, and it's a damn Wednesday, and the first test is starting on a Wednesday. Does anyone know how hard it is to take a Wednesday off to watch the first day of the first test, and then either have to go back to work on the Thursday and Friday, or then take the whole rest of the week off? Well, as it turns out, I'm at work, so there's no chance of me being able to sit comfortably like I like to and watch the first day of the first test. However, there is always ABC Radio and there is always streaming services if you so desire. And I hope everyone out there is enjoying the day, the first day of this test. So Australia has named their 11 and there was pretty much no surprises. Uh, Marcus Harris had basically been anointed some weeks ago as David Warner's opening partner. We have Labashane at three and Smith at four. Travis Head has won the race to be the number five in front of Usman Khawaja. There's a little bit of uh, discussion going on about that, and some people are unhappy with that decision. And, of course, at number six, Cameron Green, Australia's new keeper, Alex Carey, at seven. And then we have the foursome that have been our bowling attack for, it feels like forever, but certainly the last two or three years uh, without fail. In fact, this bowling attack was bowling the last time Australia played in a test match out here in Australia. So at the moment, the Test 11 is fairly settled. Now, whether it's going to be successful or not, we don't know. We always have Shane Warne throwing his two cents in. Sorry, his $4,000 worth in all the time. Uh, We know how he feels about Mitchell Stark. We also know that Stark is a proven performer, certainly on these kind of tracks. And there's no doubt that the new Australian captain, Pat Cummins, wanted him in the side. Now, it seems very unlikely that Australia's uh, three pacemen will play 
for the whole series, for the whole five tests. It just doesn't seem likely at this point in time, given that last season against India, that just didn't work for us. So you can expect some change. Now, whether that ends up being Michael Nisa or whether it ends up being Jai Richardson or whether it ends up being both given a chance through the five-test series. That may also depend on what happens with the abandoned fifth test in Perth, which will now be awarded to another city and will more than likely be played as a pink ball day-night test in order, I think, just to keep everyone on the East Coast happy so that it's in prime time and keeps the networks happy with that. But let's get back to the Australian team really quickly. We know Marcus Harris has had opportunities in the last three years since the Newlands scandal. Um, He still only has two Test 50s, uh, and he really needs to nail down his opportunity. Now, he may well, given Australia... a if Australia are winning this series, he's likely to get all five tests, no matter how he's performing. So he really needs to look at the five-test series, I think, as something where he needs to make his three or 400 runs, get his average for the series above 40, and then he'll have done his job. Of course, if he doesn't, then he will be under pressure from Usman Khawaja possibly coming into that position. Travis Head is under the same sort of pressure. Now, He's done everything right since he was dropped from the test team last summer. He's gone back to Shul and he's made runs, and so he deserves his chance at number five. But there are a lot of people who feel that his technique still isn't quite right for test cricket and uh, that he may not be the right person. But on the, on the form he's shown in Shield cricket, he deserves his chance, and I hope he does well because he's worked hard to get to this position. Cameron Green has been scoring runs at shield level as well, and he needs to score runs at number six for Australia. We need our number six to be averaging 40, at least, if he's going to be an all-rounder, which is what Green is being picked as. Uh, Certainly, on a personal point of view, I don't really worry about how many wickets he takes, but if he averages 40 and can bowl overs to give the fast bowlers a rest, then that is the most important part. We also have Alex Carey into the team, His most important role is to make sure that he doesn't drop any catches and doesn't miss any stumpings. And his ability with spin bowlers has been questioned so far. He'll have Nathan Lyon bowling at him a fair bit this summer and we'll soon see whether he's up to it. And as I said with our bowlers, obviously Stark is under some sort of pressure. But these are the kind of games where he comes good. And let's hope that certainly on this wicket in Brisbane... He uh, is able to just drop his length back just a little bit so people can't drive him easily, and he can swing that ball and make himself dangerous for all the English batsmen. Nathan Lyon as well has struggled to take wickets both at first-class level and test level in recent times, and he as well will be looking to try and at least pick up a few scalps along the way uh, in support of the faster bowls, certainly in these first two tests on wickets and conditions that will probably be conducive to fast bowling. Australia's main hopes, of course, with the bat rest once again with Warner, Labashane and Smith. And that's who England will be targeting, no doubt. And we all know that Stuart Broad will be targeting those two left-handed batsmen at the top of the order coming around the wicket. And he'll also be having a go at Travis Head and Alex Carey in the same way. Not so worried about Alex Carey, but certainly those other three have shown weaknesses against good bowling around the wicket. So that's where their pressure will be coming from. Warner will, of course, 
be very aware of what happened in the last Ashes series in England, and he will no doubt have been working extraordinarily hard to ensure that that doesn't happen again. And on Australian wickets, of course, he's a bit of a bully and tends to get out in front. So all things being equal, you would expect him to probably get over the top of Stuart Broad in this series. But if he doesn't, then his pressure, the pressure on him and his position will also be uh, become uh, to bear. Try to get that out properly. Labashane and Smith. Uh, Labashane is now... Showing weakness for LBW over the last 12 months. And it's, it was funny that last season in the Shield, it was New South Wales bowlers in particular who found a way to get him out LBW. And he's also been out LBW in England in the off season and also early this season. So no doubt England will be absolutely targeting there. And Steve Smith, well, they'll just be hoping that he only averages 60 or 70 this series, in which case uh, they might uh, be able to contain him and try to work out everybody else at the other end. Obviously, Smith has to have a poor series somewhere. Uh, the summer before last, of course, I think he only averaged a 38 or 39 with the bat, and I do say only, against New Zealand and Pakistan. Uh, but again, he's a guy who loves the big occasion, and he'll be probably still hitting balls in his sleep before this morning's play. So that's the Australian team. Uh Fairly settled at the moment. The bowling going forward will be interesting. And, of course, the form of the batsman uh, will be integral into whether Australia can get 400 totals on the board. Down! Smash the middle stump out of the ground. Mitch Johnson on fire. So yesterday, England announced their 12 for the match. They didn't announce the 12th man. It won't be decided until this morning when the toss is made and the pitch has been looked at as to whether it's green or whether it's not. Uh, their squad, uh, as named in alphabetical order, alphabetical order, of course, uh, Joe Root, Broad, Rory Burns, Joss Butler, who retains the wicket-keeping position as well, Hasiba Mead, Jack Leach, David Milan, Ollie Pope has won the spot for the uh, number five or number six batsman in front of uh, Johnny Bairstow. Ollie Robinson, Ben Stokes, Chris Wokes and Mark Wood. So there's four frontline fast bowlers named there. Jimmy Anderson, it was interesting yesterday that they firstly announced that Jimmy Anderson was injured and that he would not be taking his place in the team because of a pulled muscle. About two hours later, they came out and said, no, Jimmy Anderson is fully fit. Probably only after vision of him bowling in the nets for 45 minutes earlier in the day surfaced and basically proved that he was fit. But they've said that they're going to rest him with the possibility of two pink ball tests now being looking like it's going to happen. Now, that's a really interesting uh, take. They seem to think that He's, and his stats at the at the Gabba have shown that he's not particularly effective, which is amazing, really, when you think at the Gabba he would be absolutely perfect. And so they've decided to hold him back for the pink ball test, and, and he, his statistics at Sydney and Melbourne are, are much better than actually you would expect. So they've decided they're going to rest him for this test, and they're going to go in with uh, Chris Wokes as the all-rounder and Mark Wood, for uh, the pace aspect, along with Robinson 
and, of course, Stuart Broad. And then you have uh, the all-rounder, uh, Ben Stokes, as the other pace bowler. Now, at the moment, it does appear that they will go in with, with the five-paceman lineup and that Jack Leach will carry the drinks. Unless there is a massive change in the way the pitch looks this morning, that seems to be the way they're going to go. So that, again, is very interesting in that Australia will definitely play a spinner, and yet England will go in with five pacemen and then Joe Root to bowl a bit of spin if needed. Now, I must admit, this is last week and last week's episode, I did say that this is something that England would probably look at for the first two tests until they reach a pitch that actually looks like it's going to turn, in which case they will pick a specialist spinner. And for England, at least, probably not for Australia, but for England, at least, that's probably not a bad way to go. Uh, to be able to rotate those fast bowlers at the Gabba as best they can while the ball is new is not a bad idea and keep the pressure on Australia. And at least those bowlers are a bit different each. Like Broad is, is quite uh, tall, obviously. Ollie Robinson does have a very nice shape on the ball. Uh, ben Stokes play, does it mixes his balls up. Chris Wokes, who bowls a lovely outswinger. Mark Wood, who is just basically out and out pace off a very short run. All of those guys are fairly different, even though they are all right-arm bowlers. And so being able to rotate them at the Gabba may well be England's best way of trying to dismiss Australia. And if they don't think Jack Leach is going to get wickets, then there probably is no use in picking him. And especially at the Gabba, if it's a bit green and a bit greasy and there's not going to be much turn, then it's probably England's best way to go. So we're going to have Burns and Hamid opening the batting, and what I expect we'll have Milan at three, Root at four, Stokes at five, and then you have Ollie Pope at six, and then... Uh, the keeper, Joss Butler, at seven. So you have a long batting lineup there with Joss Butler at seven, and then you will have um, Chris Wokes at eight, who can bat Ollie Robinson, shown he can bat at nine. So a longer batting lineup than the England have picked in recent times where they've when they've picked five bowlers. Uh, but the four paceman plus, of course, um, Ben Stokes coming back into the team allows them that opportunity to do that rather than trying to fill in another all-rounder position and lifting Butler to bat at six and then having, say, Wokes at seven. So for England at the moment, this is probably their, their best bet. Uh, and they will need the openers to do the job and to see off the new ball. And they will need be hoping that David Milan can bat like he did out in Australia four years ago. They'll also hope that the captain, Joe Root, will be able to bat like he has all year. I think he's still the top run scorer in Test cricket in 2021. And they'll be hoping that Ollie Pope uh, can adapt to Australian uh, conditions and they will hope that Butler can finally find a way to score consistent Test runs. And, of course, they'll be hoping that Ben Stokes returns to his form of 2019 with bat and ball. But is it going to be enough to beat Australia in this first Test? Well, the answer to that probably is yes, they are good enough to do it. But they need to find a way to get through Australia's bowling attack, especially Cummins and Hazelwood. Those are going to be their two dangers because they are so accurate and their ability to get wickets when they need them, uh, you know, that's, that's Australia's best bet. 
If Mitchell Stark is at his best, he will be extraordinarily dangerous. But if he's not, then the opportunity for uh, somewhat easy runs from over-pitched or short-pitched balls will increase. And if Nathan Lyon is unable to find anything in the pitch and he's not able to find his line outside that off stump, then once again, he could be a concern uh, for Australia with England being able to milk him for runs. On the other side, England's bowling attack is certainly good enough to get through Australia's opening, but they need to find a way to get Labuschagne and Smith out. And we've already spoken about Labuschagne, uh, an LBW prospect now perhaps, and Steve Smith, well, they just have to come up with a plan. And I don't know what that plan is or will be, but if they can get through that top four and into five, six, seven, well, we have Travis Head, who has you know, been in and out of this team now. Uh, we have Cameron Green, who's yet to fully establish himself in the test team. And we have Alex Carey, who will be in his debut test and very nervous and hoping he can score runs. So... There are things there that England can certainly work on, but they really need to ensure, they've got to hope that Stuart Broad has a series like he did in 2019. Um, He is getting on in years, and uh, they probably will be hoping that, say, Ollie Robinson will come good and will be able to do what he has been doing in the last six to seven months. They'll be hoping that Mark Wood in Australia will be able to use the hardness of the wickets to his advantage with his pace and his bounce. And they'll be hoping that Chris Wakes continues to just find a way to nibble batsmen out. So they're not without a chance, but they will have to find form quickly and they will have to be able to uh, compete against the Australians at home and get on top. And if they can do that, then perhaps with Australia having a new captain, with uh, several players perhaps not feeling as confident in their positions in the team as they may have in the past, that they're able to exploit those weaknesses and put pressure on Australia, and especially if they can get out there and score 400 in the first innings, then England are a real chance to find a way to get out of this test with a win. And of course, if there's a lot of rain and they get out of Brisbane with a draw, even though England need to win the series... The point is, if they can get away from the Gabba with a draw rather than a loss, just exactly as they did in 2010, they can then go to the second test, and if they can nab a win there, then they're on their way to perhaps finding a way to win the series. And that's what they did in 2010. They weren't terrific in the first two or three days in Brisbane, but then once they scored, I think it was one for 517 declared in their second dig, and then they nabbed a few Australian wickets late on that fifth day. They ended up with a draw in that test, and then they went to Adelaide and had Australia three for two, I think it was, and then they won that test, and even though they lost in Perth, they turned up in Melbourne and bowled Australia out for 120, and suddenly the series was theirs. It's not out of the world possibility that that could happen again with this team. Even though on paper... They don't look as strong as that England team. Certainly when that England team came to Australia, they didn't look like a team that was going to win the Ashes. Mitchell Johnson now. Oh, how about it? How about it? If you're asking me for what I think, I've got a couple of things. Firstly, England are at $5 to win this test and are at $2.95 for a draw, with rain predicted. 
Don't bother getting on the draw because my money's on the draw, so that definitely won't happen. As I said, can England win? No one likes to bat first in Brisbane on a deck that looks green, and that's definitely what it looks like at the moment. Um, But England might have to take a chance and try to win the toss and bat and then be able to exploit that by scoring 400 and putting Australia under pressure. My guess is England will probably, if they win the toss, they will bowl and hope they can bowl Australia out cheaply instead. And that, much as like with NASA Hussain all those years ago, may well bite them in the arse. Anyway, looking forward to a great day's play, a great test match. And I hope you'll join me on the next episode when we'll go over all the happenings of the first test and look forward to the second test. And until then, go Australia. Outside edge, tell your story, walking pal. Australia right on top of you. I love them all. I want to book them. Get them up here. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.